Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bell Star. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona. And the world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. <coughs> We'd like to thank Tumbleweeds Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find pimp products accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit Tumbleweeds Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at tumbleweedshealthcenter.com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. What weed are you smoking? That's what we want to know. Inquiring minds want to know you. We're doing a little OG push and some hippie hash from Desert Blue Dispensary. I got lazy and didn't make my own. So I bought some. Hippie hash is really easy to make. Uh, basically dry ice hash. Or, I don't know if you use the, um, the ice and water method, but we really don't care as long as it's there. We'll smoke it. Rick has it on down the line. I don't know about y'all, but I just hate mosquitoes. Yeah, and someone turned. All right. Can everybody hear me now? Oh, I guess you can. Uh, except for that. All right. Well, welcome back to Wednesday, Wednesday, everybody. <laughs> um, it, we are on air, finally. Should I just start the damn show over again? I mean, we'll just try it again. All right. Here we go. We're going to do the introduction all over again. Because why not? Always the Kansas Kid Show. What the heck is going on? Welcome to Weed Day Wednesday. We're going to try this again. Uh, crazy show. Yes, it is. We're going to make sure that we stay on air here. Uh, incredible. All right. Well, welcome to Weed Day Wednesday. We're calling back into our own show because, once again, this time I did try to get a hold of technical support and got nothing from it. Nothing whatsoever. So, um, we're just going to keep it up and we're going to keep it going here and hopefully everyone out there can hear the show. All right. So it's Wednesday, Wednesday, we're going to play some Doug Fine book today. Um, we're going to play his new book and I got it on, uh, Libro.fm American Hemp Farmer, uh, Adventures <clears throat> and Misadventures 
in the cannabis trade. Uh, and that is by our Dougie Fresh guy. All right, why are we getting ads already? This is just a crazy, crazy morning on the sound here. <clears throat> All right, welcome to Wednesday Wednesday. Let's give a shout out to Tumbleweeds Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Um, you can come on down anytime, Monday through Friday, 10 to 6. Saturdays are 10 to 3 p.m. And we are currently not open on Sundays to um, clean, rest, relax, give everybody a little bit of a break. Um, but we are open six days a week. We have two doctors Monday through Friday, which means if you don't, Excuse me, bong hit. If you don't have current, current records, um, our doctors can help establish those for you. Uh, if you do have current records, it's going to be less expensive and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, less time consuming. Two forty nine to get your medical marijuana card if you have your records. Two ninety nine if you don't. If you're on food stamps, it's one seventy four with records and two twenty four without. We offer a veteran discount and if. Any of y'all are deaf or hard of hearing, um, we offer free interpreting services as well. So, um, let's see here. Let's really give a shout out to Tumbleweeds and let's just play a little fun commercial. Are chronic conditions holding you back from a happy, healthy life? Get on the right track with Tumbleweeds Health Center. Our CBD products are formulated to fit your healthy lifestyle. I would definitely say that CBD has changed my life. I mean, I don't worry about my dog anymore, and I don't worry about sleeping anymore. Tumbleweeds Health Center, voted number one health center in Tucson, has created a proprietary number of CBD blends, each designed to promote health and well-being. Let Tumbleweeds Health Center show you how CBD products might help you improve your life the natural way. That's right. Come get certified naturally at Tumbleweed Health Center, 4826 East Broadway Boulevard, 520-838-4430. I just had to go check on my dragon. Oh, what happened to you guys out there? Oh, you're gone? No, you're just too stoned to function. Oh, my. Well, hopefully we're still, it says we're on air. Hopefully we are. Um, All right. So let's see. If you go to tumbleweedselfcenter.com, you can check out all the sections of the website and you can find out what conditions actually qualify you for your cannabis card. And those would be PTSD, cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, chronic pain, severe nausea, uh, seizures, including epilepsy, HIV, hep C, ALS, Crohn's disease. Uh, agitation of Alzheimer's, cachexia, or wasting syndrome, severe and persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclero- uh, sclerosis. And if you didn't hear your symptom or ailment on there, don't worry, because chronic pain covers a lot like fibromyalgia, migraines, DDD, um, RA. There's all sorts of arthritis patients and patients with tremors and leg cramps and Parkinson's and dementia and all that. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. 
Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. That's right. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. We'd love to help you out. And we do house calls also. Um, Yeah, for house calls. We do house calls. And um, we've got Green Valley. Um, We haven't gone too much outside of Tucson, but Tucson's huge. Uh, so, you know, anywhere, if you live anywhere in Tucson, just even Green Valley, whatever, give us a call and we'll see if we can't get to your house because that's sometimes a problem for folks, especially nowadays. People are scared to go out and, uh, scared to be in contact with other people. So, um, we'll come to you. All right. Let's see what's going on in the world. Or, well, yeah, let's see what's going on. We'll do a little bit of news since it's early in the show, and hopefully we're still on. (laughs) And um, let's see here. We're sitting over here by the window so that we can watch my dragon as he sits outside and enjoys the sunshine. Well, I've got to take care of the dragon. All right. Crazy morning. It feels like a Monday already, but it isn't. I know it. Um, all right. So Colorado might keep curbside cannabis pickup after COVID-19 pandemic ends. And that's what we are all hoping for here, actually, um, because this to-go stuff and this curbside stuff and the delivery is fantastic. I'm just like, uh, let's make a call. What would you like? I'd like five grams of hippie hash to go. Um, all right. And that was supposed to be funny. Ever since COVID-19 started impacting Colorado and shutdown orders were put in place across the state, the state relaxed some rules and allowed for curbside cannabis and online ordering. The new convenient <clears throat> purchase methods may remain in place even once COVID-19 measures are relaxed and folks can resume their normal shopping habits. According to Westward, uh, many are enjoying being able to order their cannabis at home and then go pick it up. In addition to being a safer option right now, it saves the customer time. Quote, I'd like to see the curbside option stay around after this. Uh, <clears throat> even with more restrictions in place, Anna Munsterman, general manager of the clinic's dispensary in the Highland neighborhood of Denver, said, that way, we still have a limited exposure of people coming in the store. Okay, dokie. As of yet, the governor of Colorado has no official comment on extending these measures, but the Marijuana Enforcement Division has alluded to the fact that this option is at least being considered. Quote, we understand our stakeholders, and I almost said skateboarders. (laughs) We understand our stakeholders' interest in maintaining a range of options they can utilize to serve their customers consistent with social distancing guidelines, said MED Communication Director Shannon Gray. Quote, on that front, we are currently evaluating which rule provisions we have the ability to implement on a longer-term basis. Absent those changes, licensees should keep in mind the 120-day timeline that applies to the emergency rules. Gray also explained that MED is taking time to, quote, reflect on what worked well and what didn't, quote, and using the information they get to, quote, streamline our operations in future rulemaking efforts where applicable, quote. 
Quote again, this past month required a quick shift to remote work options and heavier reliance on technology, and we anticipate this experience will lead to more conversations about how we can better leverage technology to serve our customers. Despite the toll this virus has taken on the cannabis industry, a group unable to apply for federal aid, it's clear that technology and convenience will play a major role in the future of legal cannabis. Well, a lot of places already have programs like this set in place. I'm really surprised Colorado didn't, um, like curbside pickup and, um, you know, there's tons of delivery. There's always been, well, not always, but there's delivery. And uh, you just order up, pick it up, and that's really convenient. People don't really want to always go inside anyway. It's just kind of like going to pharmacy. You know, Walgreens has had a drive through pharmacy for a long time. Yeah, so, um, I, you know, the social distancing thing is really, really, really hard for people, though. So um, we have to take that in, into consideration as well. In fact, I believe if I can find it. Okay, here we go. I did post something on, I don't know if it's my page or Tumbleweed's page, but I posted something about um, PTSD or um, depression and, uh, yeah, Exactly. Cannabis could ease symptoms of depression and suicidal thoughts in PTSD patients. I posted that on my page, but I think it goes everywhere. I don't know. I suck at Facebook. And then there's an advertisement for a video game. And I guess because I like Western stuff, what is this? Is this like steampunk Westworld meets, I don't know what, this is crazy, but now I want it. Look at that right there. They did it. In like two seconds, we got all these crap going. Cannabis can ease the symptoms of depression and PTSD. Um, according to research, the study involved 24,089 people uh, aged 15 above who filled out the 2012 Canadian Community Health Survey on mental health. Uh, 420 of the participants had previously diagnosed with PTSD, a form of anxiety disorder triggered, triggered by traumatic experiences such as violent assault, serious health problems, and accidents. People with the condition may have debilitating symptoms where they relive the traumatic experience in flashbacks or nightmares, struggle to sleep or concentrate, and have physical reactions such as sweating, pain, nausea, Treatment can involve psychological therapy such as cognitive behavior therapy and or eye movement desensitization process and uh, taking antidepressants. Of the 420 PTSD patients who took part in the research, 106 or approximately 28.2% said they had cannabis in the past year versus 11.2% of participants without the condition. People with PTSD were more likely to have experienced depression and thought about taking their lives, known as suicide ideation. Uh, If they didn't use cannabis, the research found, people with PTSD who didn't use cannabis were around seven times more likely to have had depression and 4.7 times more likely to think about suicide compared to people who didn't have PTSD or use the drug. The authors wrote in the paper published in the Journal of psychopharmacology that their work provides preliminary evidence, quote, that cannabis use may contribute to reducing the association between 
post-traumatic stress disorder and severe depressive and suicidal states. <clears throat> Stephanie Lake, a research assistant at the British Columbia Center on Substance Abuse, BCCSU, uh, who led the study, said in a statement, quote, we know that with the limited treatment options for PTSD, many patients have taken uh, to medicating with cannabis to alleviate their symptoms. However, this is the first time that results from a nationally representative survey have shown the potential benefits of treating the disorder with cannabis. Added Lake, who is also a PhD candidate at the University of British Columbia, UBC. MJ Malloy, research scientist at BCCSU and professor of cannabis science at UBC, who co-authored the study, comment, uh, commented in a statement, we're only just beginning to understand what the therapeutic potential of cannabis may be for a variety of health conditions. These findings are promising and merit further study in order to fully understand the benefits of cannabis for people living with PTSD. It has not been determined whether cannabis can help or hinder people with mental health problems. Last week, a separate team of scientists published a study concluding there's not enough evidence to show that cannabinoids, a chemical compound found in marijuana, help treat the symptoms of PTSD as well as depression, anxiety disorders, attention deficit disorder, Tourette's, or psychosis. Following a review of existing scientific literature published in the journal Lancet Psychiatry, scientists also concluded there is, quote, very low quality, quote, evidence pointing to pharmaceutical tetrahydrocannabinol, THC, the psychoactive ingredient in cannabis, improving symptoms um, of anxiety in people with other mental conditions. There remain insufficient, quote, quote it says, there remain insufficient uh, evidence to provide guidance on the use of cannabinoids for treating mental disorders within a regulatory framework, the scientists wrote. Further, high-quality studies directly examining the effect of uh, cannabinoids on treating mental disorders are needed. Uh, if you have thoughts of suicide, it says please contact the National Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. It's available 24 hours every single day. Well, <clears throat> I can tell you um, anecdotally, because I'm not a doctor, um, that I have several friends that are suffering from depression and anxiety and PTSD and, um, and they use it and it's very, very, very helpful for them. And they come get certified and a lot of folks even just try the hemp products or the CBD products. Um, they find that those work very well, actually, especially, um, we just I had a friend whose dog was just a little too aggressive and she's given him one little chew that we have, a little hemp chew at the store, and he is happy as a clam and the whole happy uh, family is feeling better. So he was very protective, I believe, with one of the family members. I think that's how it went. Or got upset when someone went by him. I'm not sure. But regardless, irregardless, oh huh. I'm on the wrong page again. See, I can't even figure out my own Facebook page. Let's see here. So I did get to download Doug Fine's book, which I would like to start playing for you guys. Um, but I would also like to remind you to get on down to Tumbleweed Health Center. We've got some 
New Charlotte's Web, we have a roll-on, a cooling gel, and a balm stick. Um, So come on down and check out all our new CBD products. There's lots down there for sale. Um, We are still open as an accessory shop, smoke shop, whatever shop you want to call it. Um, We're down there for you guys, so come on down. Um, We are only open Monday through Saturday right now, and then hopefully in in June uh, we'll go back to normal hours, um, or maybe after May 15th we'll see what happens. Um, But, uh, yeah, come on down. Saturday we're only open 10 to 3, and we have one doctor, so we can't do the uh, evaluation and certification at the same day. And if you are on food stamps, just a side note for y'all, um, you need to have the card with your name written on it, printed on it like a credit card, or the award letter that states that you're currently with a you know current date on the food stamps. Okay. Even if you get like a buck, I have people who are like, yeah, I get like a dollar or something. I said, I don't care. It's just going to save you $75. And they're like, woo, come on down. 75 bucks is a lot of money to save. Um, so... Beta carophylline, the unique terpene that acts like a cannabinoid. Ooh. This is an article from Cannabis Aficionado. Terpenes are the medicinal molecules found in cannabis that, beginning in the 1960s, were discovered to provide significant health benefits for a diverse variety of disease and conditions. The efficacy of these chemicals is especially significant for ailments based on inflammation, pain, or related to cancerous tumors. Of the 200 terpenes that have been identified in the, can, uh, the cannabis herb, BCP, uh, beta carophylline, uh, stands alone in its uniqueness. It can be categorized as both a terpene and a cannabinoid. Wow. That's magical. Huh. Cannabinoids are healthy-giving molecules that are similar to terpenes in their efficacy, and that includes CBD, cannabidiol, uh, and its infamous euphoric chemical cousin, THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, based on the fact that beta-carophylline has been approved by the Food and Drug Administration as a food additive and because it is not exclusive to cannabis, it is fully legal even at the federal level in the United States, dramatically differentiating this molecule from its psychoactive sibling, THC. The, legal, <clears throat> the legality of beta-carophylline makes it a viable resource for cannabis companies, food manufacturers, pharmaceutical corp- uh, corporations, and herbal remedy companies. BCP offers such companies the opportunity to utilize this powerfully e- uh, e- e- efficacious <laughs> molecule as a tool against a litany of ailments, including cancer, depression, pain, gastrointestinal conditions, including Crohn's, inflammatory bowel disease, irritable bowel syndrome, and ulcers, and even osteoporosis. Yes, because it is a bone growth stimulator. Uh, BCP delivers and is also produced by basil, black pepper, clove. All right, I think we're now hosting our own show. Maybe, maybe not. I still hear nothing. Hmm. Well, nothing, not a thing. The show is ended. Well, let's try 
and um, we can direct next. We can try and redirect next. All right. Well, I hope we are really on air. I'm going to call him once again and find out if we really are or we're really not. Oh, boy. This is ridiculous. Oh, there we are. We are on air. We're back. Okay. I dare move the mouse or the button or anything. So what I'm going to do is we're going to try and play Doug Fine's book. Because if I even move this keyboard, we could lose everything. (laughs) And I think I have sound effects on my phone somewhere. I could probably find those and put those on. But we're going to read, well, we're not going to read. Doug Fine himself is going to read his book. All right, hold on, folks. We're going to start over because I did start listening. Um, I wonder if we can, let's see if we can do this. Here, darn thing. All right, let's try this. Um, we can call back in again. Try try and do that. This Don't even know for live. Chelsea Green Publishing presents American Hemp Farmer Adventures and Misadventures in the Cannabis Trade. Written and read by Doug Fine. Introduction Refugee Bear. Six years ago, a bear fleeing a wildfire in our New Mexico backyard killed nearly all of my family's goats in front of our eyes. It wasn't the bear's fault. It was a climate refugee. It was June of 2013, and drought had weakened the ponderosa pines and Douglas fir surrounding our remote Funky Butte ranch. Beetles took advantage, and all of southern New Mexico was a tinderbox. Ho-hum, just another climate event that until recently would have been called a millennial fire. The blaze cut a 130,000-acre swath that year, poisoning the air before the monsoon finally arrived about half a day before we would have had to evacuate. But it was too late for the large juvenile black bear who'd lost his home and his mind. He didn't even really eat most of the goats. We lost all but one of the animals that provided our milk, yogurt, and ice cream. Maybe Taylor Swift survived, but Bette Midler, Stevie Nicks, and Natalie Merchant, who loved meditating with me of a morning, perished. As did the bear several weeks later, care of a game and fish marksman upon going after a dozen of our neighbor's sheep. Ever since, my sweetheart and I have had to keep a constant eye on our human and goat kids. 
we react like a frenzied SWAT team to any unusual noise up in the eponymous buttes above our small adobe ranch house. We've had our climate change Pearl Harbor, the event that shifted us into a single-minded new normal. If you haven't had yours yet, you probably soon will. This is the paramount reason I'm an overworked employee of the hemp plant. The people I care about most are one blaze away from joining the world's 20 million climate refugees. At least I get the pleasure of putting goat sitter under occupation on my tax form. There's nothing like wildfire fleeing bears attacking your livestock before breakfast to hammer home the fact that humanity is in the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs. The conflagration convinced me that I had to do something personally to work on this climate change problem. After some research about carbon sequestration through soil building, it became clear that planting as much hemp as possible was the best way to actively mitigate climate change and help restore normal rainfall cycles to our ecosystem. At least the fire's timing was good. Hemp was de facto legalized for research purposes in 2014, two months before the publication of my earlier book about hemp, Hempbound. I've spent the ensuing five years not just covering the new industry, but joining it, developing genetics in Oregon and a farm-to-table product in Vermont, consulting, filming, and speaking all over the world, working on university research in Hawaii, and teaching a college course. But planting hemp and making a living at it can be two different endeavors. This book blueprints possibilities for independent farmers like myself who'd like to do both, particularly on their own land. If a lot of things go right, an independent farmer or a farmer cooperative can make a viable living on a small number of acres that ain't exactly the way agriculture's been going the past century. Just how many acres depends most of all on the part or parts of the cannabis plant you're cultivating, seed, flower, fiber, root. Another variable is whether you're planning to create a value-added product. A third is if you're going at it alone or in partnership with others. Hemp markets are diverse enough that I've met farmers who have developed a viable business plan for a one-acre harvest at the same time that there are independent farms in Oregon, Kentucky, Montana, Colorado, cultivating in the 2,000-acre realm. We'll focus on a 20-acre enterprise throughout our adventures in this book as we glide from soil prep through cultivation and onto strategies for marketing final products. In many of the season's phases, the discussion will be scalable to either larger or smaller enterprises. Though I still consider myself a hemp journeyman, I've got a dozen crops under my belt across varied soils, climates, and laws. So we'll explore the most illustrative ways that this plant has put me and others through the ringer during each part of the season. Our planting saga will come from one year's cluster of unasked for lessons, tractor issues in Oregon, our harvest from another year's adventure, half a continent away, snowstorm burying us, Vermont. Then we'll follow the efforts of several pioneer hemp farming enterprises to bring the resulting farm-to-table products to the world. When we emerge, we'll have survived an entire season. For those who don't want to make a living with hemp, but would like to support the farmers who do, or perhaps grow their own agents for food while sequestering some carbon, the lessons from my ongoing immersion are the same. Plus, for backyard gardeners and pros, working in a hemp field is 
the most fun you can have outside the bedroom. Even as I relate the experiences of a half decade in hemp, this book also reflects life unfolding in real time. That's because when you're strapped in for the roller coaster ride of a major industry's first wild years, new realities arise almost daily on all fronts. In the case of hemp, cultivation lessons, permitting and marketing rules, and promising markets are all in constant flux. Perhaps most important, hemp was just legalized for commercial purposes in the United States a few hours before the 2018 winter solstice, the day I started working on this project. Thanks to a little 28-page provision tucked into the 807-page, $867 billion Agriculture Improvement Act, otherwise known as the 2018 Farm Bill, which became law while I was extracting our newest Houdini of a goat kid, Julie Andrews, from the ranch's winter cover crop, Hemp's federal oversight has been transferred back from the purview of the Justice Department to that of the Department of Agriculture. This is where it belongs, hemp being just another farm product. For three quarters of a century, cultivating hemp, today meaning non-psychoactive varieties of cannabis, had been functionally illegal in the United States. This started ran the Federal Alcohol Prohibition Program during its final stages. Harry Anslinger needed a job for himself and existing staff, so he and some friends in the yellower media set about inventing a problem with one of humanity's longest utilized plants. Under the 2018 Farm Bill provision, our public servants at agencies like the Food and Drug Administration will chime in on edible products. In fact, FDA honchos were already issuing menacing memos about being the new sheriff in town, just minutes after law enforcement agencies such as the Drug Enforcement Administration had been freed to focus on the opioid epidemic and other real problems. Those administrative shuffles mean that in this book, we'll have to spend a portion of our hemp year off the field. Supplement regulations, hemp testing rules. Another way of putting this is that the entrepreneurs and activists who worked for decades to bring about this momentous legalization and who were justifiably blowing up my phone with a barrage of emoji-laden victory notes on that joyous day the 2018 Farm Bill passed are about to have a be-careful-what-you-wish-for adjustment. But that's okay and to be expected. Collectively, we independent farmer entrepreneurs and the customer base that supports us will make sure the emerging industry rules work for our farm-to-table craft sector. That way, we can rebuild both soil and rural communities. As I type here on the ranch, 10 months after that legalization solstice, the unusually orange orb of a near full moon is rising outside my office window as though in celebration. One more crop has come in. The long nightmare of cannabis prohibition is over. Its three generation duration is to our advantage. We can shape this industry any way we like. Doug Five, Funky Butte Ranch, New Mexico, October 2019. Chapter One, Be First, Better, or Different, New Mexico, 2019. In the week between learning about the discovery and yelling about it in San Francisco, he bought all the picks and shovels in the city, 
Peter Yang, writing about store owner Sam Brannan's actions in the wake of the 1848 California gold strike. If we attempt to pinpoint why hemp is about to become the fastest agricultural industry ever to reach a billion dollars in annual sales, it might be because humans have an embedded genetic memory about plants. Hemp has been a camp follower crop, say anthropologists, since before the arguable misstep of sedentary agriculture. Michael Pollan argues in The Botany of Desire that we actually co-evolved with cannabis and other plants. To him, it just makes Darwinian sense. If a plant wants these apes to keep carrying and planting it around the planet, that plant will do its best to give them things they want. Roots, sandals, superfoods, party favors, not bad for one seed. In an era when any material is a click away, I utilize hemp every day strictly for performance reasons. It beats the competition. Might be the plant seed, fiber, or flower, often all three. I eat it, wear it, I'm about to patch my porch with a homegrown hemp fiber plaster. My laptop case is made of hemp fiber too. I like to think hemp's microbial balancing properties protect me from disgusting airplane tray tables. There is physiological evidence to support pollen's co-evolutionary theory. In 1992, the Israeli researcher Raphael Meshulam discovered that we are all born with receptors for the compounds in cannabis flowers and some other plants, collectively called cannabinoids. Our built-in cannabinoid receptors constitute what is known as our endocannabinoid system. Put simply, these receptors prepare our bodies to receive the properties of cannabinoids. You can think of them as Velcro, waiting for, say, the pain-relieving components of cannabis to be introduced when we bark our shin. All mammals, amphibians, reptiles, birds, and fish have endocannabinoid systems. There's preliminary research into whether some invertebrates also have them. If they do, that sure dates our relationship with the cannabis plant way back in history. Modern farmers reveal their encoded love for hemp without always realizing why. When my Kentucky colleague Josh Hendricks took me to an antebellum barn that sported a World War II-era hemp brake used to prepare a rope for Navy rigging, he demonstrated the recently rediscovered calf-sized wooden device as though he'd been using it for years. Hemp is deeply rooted in rural Kentucky culture, he told me. Most people would call this tobacco barns, but before that, it was a hemp farm. 77 years of cannabis prohibition, in other words, are a blip in humanity's eight millennia relationship with this plant. The architecture of the digital age's hottest commodity. See a superfood with perfect omega balance and loaded with minerals. Although fewer than 1% of U.S. homes today stock a hemp food product, those that do sure use a lot of it. Edible hemp seed, hemp protein meal, and... In the near future, as in most of the past, hemp seed derivatives will also provide a regenerative source for industrial solvents, resins, and glues. Flour, source of the current CBD gold rush, the crystalline bulbous trichomes that line hemp's female flower 
contain more than 111 known compounds called cannabinoids, many with beneficial properties, and many of which be future gold rushes. Absent from the hemp market just five years ago, hemp flower products now represent 80% of the fast-growing industry. Overnight, the majority of hemp cultivators have migrated from the 8,000-year-old dioecious, male and female mode, of hemp cultivation to sensimia, female-only, literally without seed cultivation. That's because they're interested only in the CBD gold rush for now. Stalks, also known as vibes. Feedstock for tomorrow's cars, space modules, and batteries, and for today's high-end homes and horse bedding. Hemp fiber, alongside other biomaterials, will be a key source of humanity's migration from fossil fuels and petrochemicals. To be viable, fiber applications require large acreage cultivation. Anything petroplastic can do, hemp fiber and other biomaterials can do better. The hemp stalk contains two distinct components, the long strips of strong outer bast fiber and the remaining inner core called herd or ship. Each has different properties serving distinct industrial needs. Root. Saving the planet by sequestering carbon 3 billion tons annually when worldwide topsoil is rebuilt by just one inch. Hemp's unusually long taproots help create the below-ground climate to allow the world's struggling soils to rebuild. From an economic standpoint, said Steve D'Angelo, a prominent cannabis activist since the 1970s, the cannabis industry's sustained double-digit growth curve is almost unprecedented in modern business history, and that's before the whole plant is legalized federally. The phenomenon he describes is not limited to North America. A Moroccan farmer named Adabibi Adelaitin flew halfway across the globe on his own dime to attend a 2017 United Nations cannabis session, where he told me his motivation was to ensure that the global hemp reemergence, quote, is steered from the farm, end quote. D'Angelo co-founded the Harborside Nonprofit Dispensaries, originally Harborside Health Center, in California in 2006, and is in a unique position to characterize the industry's growth curve. Because of its breadth of applications, cannabis hemp is the most disruptive economic development since Silicon Valley edged out blue chips, he told me. To say we're in our infancy is an understatement when it comes to this plant's uses and markets. The biggest driver of hemp since, and only since, the first research-only farm bill has been cannabidiol, popularly known as CBD. The market for this valuable hemp flower-derived nutritive supplement and topical application is growing 23% annually and is on its way to being firmly established in the healthy person's wellness lexicon, the way that omega and aloe are. At the moment, it's not an exaggeration to call the CBD market a gold rush. It is one compound in the family of cannabinoids that reside in the female hemp flower. As Arthur Rouse, a Kentucky journalist who has been documenting the fits and starts of hemp's reemergence since the 1990s, sees the current reality on the ground, a few veins have been struck in the hemp flower. Now everyone's flocking to the site of the first strike, CBD. CBD is terrific. It's a compound that is genuinely benefiting millions of people. 
My own cannabinoid intake serves as a dietary supplement, part of my health maintenance program. CBD itself is not temporary. What is temporary is CBD-only mania and for farmers, high wholesale prices. Previous gold rushes, such as California's in the 19th century, provide clear lessons. Gold, of course, was and is still being traded long after most 49ers went bust. It wasn't the prospectors who benefited from commodity markets. Only a few made strikes in California, and half of them got hoodwinked out of it by shady middlemen. We're going to avoid that outcome with regard to hemp. Long-term, maximum farmer benefit is our goal for this economic boom. The types of people who got reliably rich off the 19th century North American gold rushes were the same ones who get rich off any boom. Middlemen, crooked or legit, real estate developers, and the folks selling the shovels, pickaxes, tents, pack mules, and sacks of flour and coffee. Today, hemp has its own middlemen, real estate developers and shovel sellers, but they're called extraction salespeople, CBD wholesalers, warehouse lessers, and venture capitalists. Some of these folks are honest and well-meaning, but there's no denying that elements of the hemp renaissance are all the makings of one of those bursts of irrational exuberance that accompany any market bubble. The sad reality is many of the early hemp players one sees sponsoring trade show lanyards in 2019, inexorably churning through angel investment and gunning for CBD dominance, aren't going to be with us by 2025. The proverbial wheat will separate from the chaff, or in the case of the plant we're discussing, the bass will separate from the herd, though both of these are valuable. Even though it will require an industry that markets all parts of the hemp plant to sustain a new farming economy and sequester enough carbon to ensure a habitable planet, let's start with the flower and discuss the market for cannabinoids therein because CBD is one of them. And CBD is about the hottest business and health story in the world today. Houston, Rome, Santiago, Tokyo, and Cape Town all have CBD stores. The World Health Organization has declared CBD safe. Mike Tyson, who has his own cannabis line, calls it a miracle for someone who's had his cranium rattled a few times. Cannabinoids comprise a growing group of 111 known compounds found in cannabis, other plants such as cacao, pepper, and echinacea, and interestingly, endogenously in mammalian mother's milk. THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, the psychoactive component in cannabis, and CBD are the best known of these cannabinoids. My own favorite cannabinoid at the moment is CBC, cannabichromine, a non-psychoactive compound showing analgesic properties, as well as anecdotal evidence of anti-inflammatory and muscle-relaxing effects. Plants, including hemp, produce cannabinoids because they serve a range of purposes, including predator defense, climactic adaptation, and pollinator attraction and also, as pollen postulates, to please us. Cannabis hemp flowers even smell appealing, so appealing that I routinely have to check myself in the field lest I eat the profits. The flowers contain terpenes, to those in the business, fragrant hydrocarbon-based compounds that are found in the essential oils of many plants. They might enhance the properties of other components of a plant. Much academic research on the subject is still in progress, but the smells alone add to the value of a cannabis farm. Some farmers already breed just for turfs. 
You can buy terpene-laden cannabis and dispensaries. Their scents and properties vary widely. My favorite is one called Piney. If CBD is the mine where most prospectors, both independent and would-be giants, are currently staking their claim, it's a near certainty that this won't be the case in five years. Change being the only constant, I feel safe declaring that a previously unimagined market sector will emerge in 2025. I hope it's recyclable, next-generation hemp-in battery components, a hemp-seed diet craze, or a bunch of next-wave cannabinoid-terpene combination. When cannabinoids and terpenes work in concert, it's known as the entourage effect, a key argument for thinking beyond one cannabinoid when it comes to hemp product efficacy. On that 22% of the 2.7 degree Fahrenheit temperature increase the planet has experienced in the past century and a half. All right, kids, we're going to end the show a bit early. It keeps cutting out. My sincere apologies. It's very frustrating. Love listening to Doug. We'll probably start that over again next week and just let the whole show be Doug. Why not? Um, anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. You guys have an awesome Weed Day Wednesday. As the world gets back to uh, normal, just be nice to everybody out there. It's so funny to get glared by people out in the world when they're out in the world, too. So be nice to each other. And um, hug it real hard when you get the chance to do it. So be smart, be safe, educate, and thanks a lot for tuning in again. We love you. We love Doug Fine. Happy Weed Day Wednesday, everybody. Thank you, Tumbleweeds Health Center, for always being here. Silver Sister, sending prayers and love. And kids, sending the same. Hope to see you next week. And have an awesome day, folks.